0: Welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine On Tap. My name is Brandon O'Li and I'm here at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, in Pittman, New Jersey at a full table tonight, Dr. Frey. How are you today, sir?
1: I am great. I am psyched that we are back We're up back. and running and doing the show. It's about time. Yeah, no, seriously. We had a few very, few tough weeks there, just some, some scheduling conflicts yeah. and whatnot. And then more than that, we get here tonight and, and totally just charged and rejuvenated. Because for the first time in a while, we're kind of getting back to our roots. You know, the original plan was to, you know, talk about sports, talk about sports injuries. But we're doing it from a brewery and we wanted to talk about beer, some of the finer points, some of the intricacies. And we kind of lost ourselves along the way. And now we have our old friend back.
2: Oh, guess who's back? <laughs> <laughs> back again. <Okay>. Frankie's back. <laughs> Tell a friend. Wow. Guess Good. who's back? That guess who's back?
3: nice. He had that prepared,
2: I think. No, I didn't. We perfect. Perfect. No, we were talking about 90s rap a little while ago. Yeah, we, we were. Pre-recording, yeah. It just kind of kind of fits, yeah. Like Perfecto, man. So I am very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Frank Price, uh, one of the
1: owners, the creators, and brewers wow. here at Neck of the Woods Brewery. Thank you for coming back on, and uh, um, I'm really psyched to hear that that original plan looks like it may come to fruition to start talking a little more about some uh, the, the beer part of the equation. Mm.
2: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's, it's, it's a passion of mine, craft beer. For, for a long time now, made it into a business, and whenever I have the opportunity to, to share some of this, it excites me very well. So thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then also on the show tonight, uh, Brad Bernardini, one of our one of our regulars on all the time, probably on more than anybody else. So I, I'd like to there. hold that honor. Yes, yeah. 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 Thanks,
3: guys, for having me back. It's fin- it has been a while.
1: You and Jess can arm wrestle, man. Oh, Matt <laughs> Brandt, man, he's right there. Uh, yeah, no, Dr. Brandt's
3: I'm getting up gonna, there. I'm not gonna arm wrestle Matt Brandt. <laughs> as my
2: wife says stud muffin yeah <laughs> dr <laughs> dr <Stud> mcdreamy <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah i don't think he's that good of- so we can uh
0: yeah. just a quick overview of what what brings us all in here tonight um we are going to talk some injuries and some beer um we'll, we'll talk just a quick overview of the injury tonight and then we'll get into the beer stuff and then we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit here so over the weekend, we had a few run-ins with uh, the NFL, some NFL injuries regarding the patella tendon, which is in your knee. Tonight, we're, we're going to be focusing on the Chargers cornerback, J.C. Jackson, who I'll probably call C.J. Jackson a few times, so I apologize in advance. It was initially reported Sunday night that he dislocated his patella. Right. And Dr. Frey and I were talking about it, and we got all excited. And we, trickery. We, yeah, yeah. We contacted Brad to get out that here. It was trickery. And then this morning, we wake up to reports that it's not a dislocation. It's a complete uh, tendon rupture. So now we're a little changing the conversation, yeah. but we're going to kind of cover a little bit of everything since they brought it up. And another big name in the NFL is uh, DK Metcalf was taken off on a cart this week. And for anybody in the world of media and under knows a little bit about DK Metcalf, a couple of weeks ago, he was carted off the field because he had to use the restroom and couldn't make it. He couldn't make the run to the locker room. What? So he was carted off. So you see him get carted in off again there. this no. year, this week. And uh, it's his knee. And they, they were reported a little scared, but they uh, kind of said that it was just a tendon injury that he kind of re aggravated from an old thing. So he doesn't need any surgery or anything like that. So we'll dive into those weeds a little bit later, but Frank's here. So let, let's get into some beer. We're already, we're already You're, drinking even a few before
1: the beer, man. How about the Phillies? Oh yeah, mm, another wow. big one. How can you not say and something? the Eagles and the Eagles? It's right. like
3: one of those awesome times to be a Philly sports fan. Absolutely. Like if I said and to you Union. six weeks ago
2: that yeah. yeah that the Philadelphia Union would be a step away <laughs> from getting to the finals, <laughs> right. the Phillies right. are in the World Series yeah. and your Eagles are undefeated. Yeah, It's a crazy. special time. You would have called me. Crazy. You, know you what? actually would have told me to stay in the car, stay Frank. In the car, no, Frank. Frank, Frank <laughs> stay in the car, Frank. I had to throw that in that's there. That's a beer
0: reference. Great beer there don't don't
2: too. Yeah. yeah, that's our flagship IPA. Yeah. Nice yeah. hazy IPA with some citric, Eldorado, and Mosaic.
3: That's my go to here. Yeah. Same. It really yeah. is. That's six percent. Because I think of you when uh-huh. I drink it, but Thank also you. because it's really
2: good.
0: Yeah. And I'm happy to finally meet you. I've been drinking the stay in the car, uh-huh. Frank, for a while. I was like, I gotta meet the Frank guy soon and eventually, you know.
2: There's actually a good story behind staying in the Car and where that, that came from, but maybe that'll be for another show. you got to stay
1: tuned. I know, I know that story. So, so with the Phillies, quick, I actually have two things to say about the Phillies. One is a nice little story, and the second one, maybe not as wildly popular. So one of my son's buddies, they play lacrosse together, really good kid, 12 years old, and I'm, I'm friends with his dad, um, riding his bike home yesterday, and he's wearing Phillies jersey and a car honks at him hey kid what jersey are you wearing he's like oh, real Muto's. car pulls over guy gets out JT real muto no, yeah get yeah out of here yeah what? yeah takes a picture with him signs his jersey and wow. uh are like you like kidding? no that's a great story fast act like that kid's like in for life right? like like he's he, how wow. can he not in yeah and he doesn't have to do it like he can just keep driving no yeah. one would never know the difference wow, but he gets out that's set, cool right yeah like, impressive cool. impressive that's awesome and then uh the other direction i was going in which may not be as widely uh, popular no no, no. should have so, done a bad one first what's have <laughs> done the bad one first and warmed everybody up yeah is uh you know I, i'm a little biased yeah you know, but but I, but i've got this feeling right like so so it's i feel like it has been mentioned and i feel like it should be mentioned and i kind of wish at least you know, somebody would acknowledge it um, especially in, like some fully sports talk but it's probably not a wildly popular view. Um, the team has done amazing. The team has done very well. And and in Philly, where teams normally get crushed and people normally get crushed right away, there's just so much love for this particular team right now, right? Like, they're playing with house money. No one well, expected right. it. Well, right.
3: That's exactly. That's Philly. So that that's Philly through and through, right? right.
1: And so, so what I feel like nobody has mentioned is the fact that this is... Clintax team that's doing this right like, like you gotta give Nebraska some credit he had he had a lot of guts right like firing Girardi mid-season oh, yeah. that took a lot of guts and that probably had a lot to do with the fact they're doing this well and he he brought in Schwaber who's been instrumental right but he also brought in you know Castellano which seemed like a great move but really hasn't really paid off Couple other guys. I think uh, Robertson was a was a Shrubber acquisition. Um, Marsh was a not a Schrober acquisition. Sorry, but a Dumbrowski. Sure. Uh, Marsh was a Dumbrowski acquisition. But mm-hmm. this team is Pentax team, and and I, I don't think anybody has you know it's two years too late, right? Like, but but it's still it's the guys that he brought in, right. and you know I don't know. I think it goes a long way that uh, uh, you know, Pentax clearly was unhappy with getting rid of Kaplan, when they got rid of Kapler next season Kapler's manager of the year right like like this year was a little bit down <laughs> yeah, right. but it's,
3: right. pro sports unfortunately. It's pro sports
1: unfortunately right and yeah. then the next thing you know that gets shuffled out of town um, still lives yeah. here still loves the area which is like pretty impressive right right and, and the team that he put together the guys that he drafted not everything's a hit is now I'm sure there are the a lot World of people sales. that
3: feel that way it's just not talked about it's not talked
2: about at all so i just wanted to get that after it's nice it's nice for what it's worth i don't know yeah yeah and from an outsider looking in where is he at now he works for the brewers now still lives here in the philadelphia area
1: commutes and travels when he when he needs to mm-hmm. but um you know he and his family they found a home man they love it here and like that goes a long way like that says a lot yeah it
3: does, yeah, it does. Yeah. right
1: so yeah no he's doing his thing and he's working oh, hard he's he, he stuck around for a year, pretty much after they let him go. Could have walked off and just kept all the money. It was like, you know what, you're you paying me. I'm gonna do what I can to help you guys. Mm. And and you know, I'm gonna take a backseat role. I'm gonna drop out of the spotlight. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I won't get in the way you wanted. Like not everybody does that. Nah, it's People old walk school. away and take yeah, their money. It's old yeah, yeah. That's so good for what it's worth. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's a great story. Sorry, man. Yeah. All right. Well, I like that. Yeah,
0: no, we had to touch on a little bit of everything, so it's, we kind of rounded the table, caught up a little bit.
1: I think what got me there is These delicious beers, can you tell ah. me a little bit about this?
2: Uh, you're drinking our uh, one of a kind Jaws's John, and that uh, that that John right there that's going into your mouth right now, Roast? Jaws, <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe the maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe the younger generation doesn't know that'd that'd that would be Mr. Be Ron Jaworski, mm. wow. he was our Eagles quarterback. I'd be lying if I said I knew the years, oh but, but, but we, we got to be back in the 80s. Beloved Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. Yeah. Yes. I
3: had a glass commemorative cup from McDonald's. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> your worst that's pretty go. awesome. Yeah. What do you mean had? Yeah. It's still, I may still have it. Yeah. A little faded, but you still yeah, got it.
2: Right next to your grimace. <laughs> 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 Uh, no, this is one of those easy drinking 4.4% American Pilsner style beers that is just so refreshing. And we actually stepped it up a little bit recently and, and added a special way of pouring it here in the tap room, which we, we, we did a bunch of research on that. And the old school way, so most lagers were, were made out of Germany or, or the Czech Republic. And if you go over there today and you order a lager, you're gonna get that beer poured in an authentic mug that comes out of a side pour tap. And the difference between that side pour tap and our most of our American taps is the fact right. that it, it utilizes like a ball valve instead of like a plunger. So you can control the amount of beer that's coming out of yeah. your line. Mm-hmm. Opening it just slightly is going to create just a little bit of uh, restriction, adding a lot of foam. And and believe it or not, this wet foam actually contains proteins, contains a little bit of the, uh, the, the hop oils. There's flavor in there. It's right. not just something that you're going to wait to settle to drink your beer. Right. Mm-hmm. So authentic pours is, yeah, first thing that goes in there is going to be the foam. Right. And then you actually stick the beer... On the faucet there, open it up, get some liquid in there, and you're gonna finish it off with a big foamy head. Right. And
3: yeah, I that was the fir- when I first tasted it, the foam had a lot of flavor in it, surprisingly. Yeah, different- I was trying to get through it, but I didn't, you didn't have to. Actually. Right. It's yeah. really interesting. Right. I didn't you know, know that.
2: And, and there's like, actually, believe it or not, three different ways of serving it. Like, right. we, we had it more of a traditional way. And then Brad came, we gave him the half beer, half foam pour.
3: I thought you guys were just trying to be cheap. No, (laughs) no. We wanted to go through the steps here. And the
2: third one, which we're going to all have to do, maybe after intermission or something like that. But it's all foam and it's called a milk tube. Is that true? Oh yeah. yeah. Really? And it's a German way of a shot, a beer. Wow. Whoever finishes it first wins. The last one has to do 100 push-ups. I'll win that. Game on.
3: That's strong. I didn't know that. That's great information. Yeah, right? pretty cool. Look at this. So,
2: you know, depending upon how you pour your beer, I mean, it's going to give you a different flavor. And what we like to do here at Neck of the Woods is really try to dive into not only what makes a beer a beer, but what made it a beer in yeah, the first place. The history. Right. You know, and jumping into the history. That's very cool. Like this beer is, you know, based off of a German recipe. It's more of an American style Pilsner because... We actually uh, use a little bit of corn in here, believe it or not. Yeah. And uh, that gives it kind of a, a unique signature and taste. And you named
3: it after a Polish quarterback. Right? I know, the That's Polish how, rifle. How about it? Yeah, there you know, it is.
2: So, uh, no, Ron, he he was here at the brewery a couple of weeks ago, loved it, uh, loves everything we're doing with it, really. Getting it out of all his uh, his golf courses. Such such a, such a good guy. Good, he really great is. Guy, great family. Such a good person to know. And uh, yeah, before
1: just, he got here, Frank said he's got a picture of you pre-COVID, like right before everything kind of crashed. You 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 and you and Jaws. You and Jaws here. Bar. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the the
2: original idea was when we first opened. Yeah. You know, Ron was here for for the soul mm-hmm. and sitting at the bar and uh, there yeah, with Brad. Yeah, hanging out. Yeah. They were having a conversation. In the background, a guy came up with a football, and he asked Ron to sign it. And <laughs> Ron gets up and signs the football. That's the kind of guy he is. Yeah, he, he really he, is. He just,
3: he's, he's as good as they come. That, that guy was awesome. me. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> yes. I thought he looked familiar.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. When you walk up to, to the bar there and you take a look at the taps, you see all their standard taps in there on the right. There's a one tap that one of these things is not like the others. It's right. just it yes. totally yeah. different. I but, didn't
3: notice that until after you said it. I just looked over as you were talking and I could, yeah. yeah. It's right.
2: Yeah. And unfortunately, two years after the fact, you know, that we planned yeah. that, that whole tap line there, this faucet kind of extends out just a little bit. So that every time you pour beer and it drips, it, hits, <laughs> it hits the end of the drip tray, yeah, of which then uh, splashes yeah. all over. So yeah, the bartenders they they love the fact that yeah, I would install something. Well, like I would that. say it's
3: worth it. Yeah, oh, I yeah. would agree. Yeah, it's a really good beer. Yeah, So
2: come on down to neck of the woods and try that beer, um, sure. and let us know what 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 pour you want. You want the full foam? Do you want half foam or or you light know? foam? Yeah, light foam.
1: I got to tell you, man. So and I, and I don't know. I've been to England before, and in fact, luckily enough, we're going in a few weeks. I'm pretty exci- excited about that. Are going to go
2: catch any Premier
1: League soccer games? I don't think we're going to have time, but mm. I would really love to. That'd be amazing. Right? Electric. Yeah. Yes. yes. Honestly. Wild experience.
3: That's like a bucket list thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: But when I was there previously, and I don't know if it's an English thing or if it is a European thing, but it, the beer tastes a little bit different. One, it's served not quite as cold. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like that. I actually like that. And then two, there is. It tends to be a little more foam on it, mm-hmm. and and it it it's it's a different experience, man. It's you know that delicious.
2: most places there, most pubs mm-hmm. will only have one or two styles of beer. Yeah, yeah. And and they don't bring the beer to the pubs in kegs. They actually bring a like a truck that has a tank on it that has the beer in it. Seriously, there's a tank inside of the pub. They bring a hose. They, they, they hook it up and they just push Feel it right it into up. the tank. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Right. We actually wanted to emulate that here at Neck of the Woods. If you come back and you yeah. look in our production space, we have six horizontal lagering yeah. tanks there. And when we initially opened, we were actually serving beer right from those lines. That's right. Amazing. It oh, just got to be a wow. little bit... I think bit, I saw a picture of that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you can do tank stands, oh, tank, tank, tank stands. Whatever yeah, back there. So. Uh, yeah, that's,
3: that's amazing. And you know, that's true. I've been in Switzerland and, and no refrigeration at all one beer it was the beer that was brewed in that town yep and it was uh actually release day and the whole town it was like a huge festival right a bunch of guys come down from the brewery with dogs pulling sleds full of beer that's unbelievable and you know wearing their you know later hose and it was a blast it was a really cool experience and you know that's the kind of stuff that's cool about beer, right? You oh, know, yeah. The, the history and the, and understanding, and the celebration you know, yeah, of it.
2: Yeah, 100%. 100% cool. Because, you know, over here, we grew up with a different style. Yeah. Well, the yeah. liquor store. Yeah. yeah. You, get you know? Back. But I actually, no lager point. itself means like cold storage. How about it? You know, they made these beers back before they had refrigeration. Yeah. Right. They'd put them in the cave and yeah. let that sit there over the wintertime. And ah. they would go and tap it, you know, come summertime and, 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 and get their cool. beer that way. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah.
0: question for you, Frank. Since it's are kind of talking about a little bit of history of beer, random thing popped in my head. I think I watched something. I don't know on what channel, like, come Discovery or something, about the origins of beer. Sure. And they were like kind of dated it back all the way to like the Egyptians and the pyramids. And yeah. the, There's a theory that that's the, how they paid the workers. Yeah, yeah. That they, they paid the workers in beer to build the pyramids and all that stuff. And yeah. I just thought it was pretty interesting. And I assume you may know the validity of that. Well, yeah, or? actually,
2: yeah. I mean, that's an interesting, you know, story because. Even 200 years ago, Mm -hmm. beer played an essential role in these small European communities because we didn't have potable water. Right, right. You know, so where you were getting your water from may not have been the cleanest. Right. So somebody came up with the grand idea that if they made a beer that had alcohol in it, which was going to kill off the Mm -hmm. germs, but they made it at a... Two percent, so you're not really going to get yeah. drunk off of it. Right, be kind of healthy in a way. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they did. And yeah, they would, and they would pay the farmers or yeah. the workers in, in in beer. Yeah, no that's high crazy. blood pressure, and everybody was happy.
3: Everybody was happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's how they pyramids. Yeah, right? that wouldn't happen today.
2: I mean, they don't remember building yeah, pyramids, that's but <laughs> yeah. that's It's right. good. But we do. We <laughs> thank we you do. for it. Yeah. Right. Awesome, Brent.
1: Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to have you back each and every week that we're here. And I get it. There's going to be weeks where you can't, but I'm excited uh, that, that uh, you're back on board and, and hopefully you'll be able to be here as much as you can. See. Oh, and 100%. You know what,
3: what else is fun is Frank is not going to be totally bored by the rest of our discussion because right. Frank actually helps us in the operating room. That's true. How about it? Option number two. Double duty, this right. guy does.
2: Yeah, for 20 years I've been a nurse anesthetist and I've been working with these gentlemen in the operating room providing anesthesia. So... Yeah. You know, a lot of what they talk about, I can also give the perspective from the anesthesia side. You know, people might be interested if they have to have a a knee scope, a knee replacement, whatever it be, a shoulder procedure. You know, I'm the guy to put you to sleep and He does he, the
3: important stuff. Yeah. You know? Money's not brewing.
2: Yeah. yeah, or it's, it's, is that... Uh,
3: hopefully stuff? it's not the same day. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> or maybe, I don't know. Whatever we're, He's been doing a great job, so whatever he's doing is working well. That's yeah, right. no,
2: it's great to hang out with these guys, and whenever I get an opportunity to, I will be here.
3: Heck
0: yeah. 100%. All right. What do we got? What are, yeah, let's talk a little bit at Yeah, the, let's, let's go into it a little bit. Um, so, like we mentioned, we're talking about the patellar tendon, um, some ruptures and dislocations. Thank okay. you. We almost can just kind of blanket it, just patellar tendon injuries almost. So, background, like we said, J.C. Jackson was uh, going down. uh, He was defending a receiver, going on a fly route to the end zone. The ball was a little bit over his head. On the replay, he went to go jump up, never left the ground, fell right away, and just started grabbing his knee. Um, And like we said earlier mentioned, he got taken off the field. Initial reports were saying patellar dislocation, and then this morning it came out that the tendon completely ruptured. So. Um, that's kind of the basis of our, what we're going with. So I guess, Brad, what, what do you think is like, you yeah. know, big differences between the two? Because yeah. I mean, the lay person, right. has read two different things. They're like, well, something happened with his knee, but they said it dislocated last night. Now it's completely ruptured or they, you know. Have- yeah.
3: And you know, and uh, in the heat of the moment, time of the injury on the field, it, sometimes <clears throat> what's happening is a little bit hard to, to kind of differentiate or diagnose. Although I would say. You know those two things have, I would say, different presentations, right? right. I think so. Yeah. Um, and you know, so typically a, a knee dislocate, a patella dislocation. I yeah, yeah. Say. And that's very maybe specific, an important right. uh, yeah. distinction. Knee dislocations, which are unfortunately what a lot of people say when they dislocate their patella, mm-hmm. much True, much worse true knee dislocations are very rare. They can be limb threatening yeah. um, injuries. And it generally takes a high, high level of, of energy and trauma. Some of these do happen in football. We've seen, you know, high profile cases, cases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, but we're off the than tight not, end, uh, Greg Olson, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. that was a big one. Exactly. Some of the, you know, more commonly when you hear a dislocation around the knee, it's a kneecap dislocation. So right. usually what happens is the kneecap, um, for a number of reasons, and there's a lot of factors that we could probably spend a oh, whole yeah. episode on, um, basically shifts off this little groove that it rides in in the, in the thigh bone and it pops off to the outside and very often it'll get locked there. Right. That's pretty ugly to yeah, look at yeah. and pretty easy to see. Pretty and painful then, to deal with. Very painful. <laughs> for and the, then for the when you pop it back in, so if the you know, athletic trainer or physician can oh. get it to go back in place, mm-hmm. which can happen pretty straightforward if yeah. you get them quick, the knee functions surprisingly yeah. well right. right off the bat. Whereas when you have a patella tendon okay. rupture, the whole mechanism that straightens your knee is no longer intact. Right. So uh, right off the bat, it, 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 something's not working well. Mm-hmm. If you're going through the test, they cannot extend their knee because that mechanism is no longer attached. Right. What, are,
1: what are the components of that
3: mechanism? <clears throat> so your, your quad, uh, muscle group, uh, attaches to the quad tendon. So a tendon is what attaches a muscle to a bone. And then your, um, kneecap kind of sits in the center. Mm-hmm. of what we call these two tendons. And you can argue that the patella tendon maybe is not a tendon because it attaches bone to bone, Good but point, we call right? it a patella tendon. Anyway, right. Just, I'm getting yeah. I'm getting them get geeky up. now. Yeah. Frank's falling asleep. <laughs> <All> right. No, <laughs> He's, I'm ready to answer Yeah. <laughs> I, and so and uh, and then so you have your quad tendon at the top of the kneecap, patella tendon at the bottom mm-hmm. and all those things uh, basically act like a, a lever system to be able to straighten your, your knee. Is that always a surgical treatment? Patellar tendon ruptures. Yes, the majority of patients. You'd have to be a very sick patient with a multiple, you know, other reasons that we wouldn't be able to operate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's all. It's one of those things that we would consider urgent. Okay. Um, they're they they can become more complicated if you don't get to them within a, a short period of time. Right. Um, they can um, be irreparable if you wait too long. And then in these chronic cases where somebody comes in delayed or they had other injuries that yeah, could have had to be treated yeah, first. Yeah. There's a lot of complex surgery that you have to do to fix it. Mm-hmm. So, Whereas, you,
2: so you're looking at this guy being out for a while then?
3: Yeah. They take, they take a while to heal. I mean, there's some studies that suggest you get back at six months. I think that may be a Ooh. little early, but there's a lot of recovery. I mean, the repair takes three months to heal. Then you've got a lot of functional recovery to gain, mm-hmm. let alone the psychological part, which was what we talked about how, about.
1: how about a partial tear versus a full thickness tear?
3: So partial tear depends on the degree and their ability to actively you know, use that mechanism, right? right. And that, that would be potentially an indication we talk about doing some things to help kind of uh, stimulate healing, PRP, stem cell injections, things right. like that. Um, you'd want to boost that response. But if they have an ability to actively extend the knee, then that's generally something you can treat conservatively.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: What are your thoughts, Steve?
1: So, yeah, no, um, you know, and it, the partial tear is frequently... You know, like you said, it, it depends on the the severity, right? Like a bigger partial tear, maybe you're starting to treat a little more like a like a full thickness tear. But a pretty like standard partial tear that we'll see without this specific or or a specific event, but not a horrible specific event. Um, it's very it's very very sort of cookie cutter. Almost every time it tears right right in the center of the patella tendon, yeah. right at the bottom of the kneecap, right where it attaches there, and mm. you know. You know, we typically go non-op on those ones, and, yeah. and, and for the most part, usually you can get that person back without without a surgery. Yeah. Occasionally, it doesn't work, and then you move on to surgery. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. almost every time, you'll get that person better without the surgery. But then, yeah, those those full thickness tears, man, like it's it, there's yeah. not a question. If if this person is a reasonable risk surgical candidate, yeah, quality of life-wise, they need that yeah. surgery. Yeah, you have to fix right? that. And yeah. then the
3: other things are. They can tear, you know, effectively in three different places. Mm-hmm. Heck
1: yeah. And, yeah.
3: and that, that can, you know, they can tear off the kneecap, they can mm-hmm. tear off the shin bone or they can tear in the middle. Yeah. And the ones in the middle are really complicated. So which
1: one is the, is, would be the worst one to have if you're going to have these or which one would be, I don't want to say the best one to have, <laughs> like like yeah. the better best, one first, Worst have. case scenario. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, I mean, from a surgical standpoint, the ones in the in the middle of the tendon are very very, complex. Right. Um, yeah. you know, the tendon where it tears often ends up looking like mop ends. That's what we call it. And, exactly what it is. And you've got two mops that you're trying to sew together. So literally imagine trying to put two mop ends and sew them together end to end. Mm. Um it's, it's really difficult. So there's some there's some newer technology that we use now that allows these kind of suture bridges to kind of mm-hmm. help help kind of take some of the stress off of those repairs. So because the thing we worry about is if when you repair these Ideally, you can repair it so the tension's appropriate to maintain that knee at full extension. Right. And if that tension's not set correctly at the repair, they actually end up not being able to straighten their knee full. Even though they're firing their quad as hard as they can, they have a little bend in their knee. and then that's Rope's just, too long. Yeah, rope's too long. And they, that, that pulley mechanism just doesn't work to get their knee straight. And right. that's that could cause significant dysfunction. I mean, for a pro football player, that's... Yeah, you don't want that that's at not, all. That's the end of your career yeah. if you can't get your knee fully straight functionally. So. It's generally a a bit easier to kind of achieve those goals when you have tear right off the bone. Right.
0: Going back a little bit of, you know, how this kind of can affect someone's career is, I think, I don't know how many years ago, Victor Cruz, a pretty popular new Uh, Giants. Giants, He did the same thing. He was like, I forget the exact play. He was in the end zone, kind of like nothing crazy. and And he went, and then. His career kind of changed from there. Like yeah. you know, he kind of went from like a big guy, nicknamed, doing salsa dances in the end zone every time <laughs> he scored, to, to not doing so much, yeah. not doing so great. And you know, yeah. it's something with this guy. And you know, a little bit of background for you know, just uh, the player standpoint. He uh, originally was drafted in New England from 2018 to 21. and then this offseason just signed a big five-year, 82 million dollar deal with the Chargers. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, been hit with the injury stick just a little bit. Had ankle surgery back in August, missed a little bit at the beginning of preseason, the first couple games, got back out there, struggled a little bit, got benched. Uh, His first game back was this past weekend.
1: I was not aware of that.
0: So, like, there's a little bit more to just, you know, yeah, he's he's a guy's got some money. You know, they signed him for a big, decent deal for a cornerback. Right. And then is kind of in and out, and then he kind of gets back in, and then he's trying to guard. Um, he was guarding Marquise Goodwin, who is an Olympic track athlete, also NFL player. So, you know, you're literally giving him yeah. your all on a go route. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you don't come up at all. So I think it's safe to say with the reporting that kind of got mixed up and how we talked about it, he unfortunately got the worst of the two options. Like in this case for him, being a patellar dislocation probably would have
2: been way that better. That would be better. Out- Generally, better. Generally, right? the first dislocation of...
3: Yeah, it's non-op, you know, for a patella, mm-hmm. unless there's, you know, cartilage damage mm-hmm. or things like that. But, you know, so Patrick Mahomes is an yeah. example yeah. of yeah. non-op treatment for a patella dislocation. And he's been doing pretty well. Since, yeah, right. You know, he's okay. He's, okay. he's all right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, patella tendon rupture, just that's one of those structural things that you just got to gotta put back yeah. together. So,
1: so, you know... So let's say this particular scenario, right? Guy goes down on the field, and you're going out to check him. You, you, you haven't, you know, you're on the field. You don't have the benefit of an of an X-ray. Yeah. Are there are there things you would expect to see in his knee at that particular point, or feel in his knee at that particular point that's going to tip you off that this is probably a patella tendon tear?
3: Yeah. You know, I think so. You can you can generally um, have a sense that the kneecap is kind of balanced in this, in the where it should be, so to mm-hmm. speak. So when, you know, if you imagine kneecap as being kind of tensioned on both sides by, by these tendons, if you, if you cut one of them completely, it's gonna, it's gonna pull back to the opposite side, So It's gonna pull away. So when you have a patellar tendon rupture, the kneecap goes high. Right. Mm-hmm. You call that patella alta. Right. You can see that, you can feel it. You can also literally feel a gap where the tendon ruptures, you can stick your finger in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you know, patients don't—they love that. They don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. They don't. Like it. Yeah. But you can not feel it, so you can feel the gap, and right. that's one of the things that you know is is diagnostic. And yeah. and then the last thing is, can they straighten their knee? Right. You know, like we talked about, and uh, these patients can't straighten their knee. They can't push against you at all, so it's kind of a floppy knee. Mm-hmm. C- yeah. Kind of outside of the
1: realm of where we go, but this is a really bad injury in people that have had a knee replacement before for uh, that, for yeah, that exact hard. reason yeah that mm-hmm. um because you really like the, the rope is torn right like the yeah. ability for your thigh to contract and, and you know pull and to you pull your leg your yeah. knee out straight yeah goes away once this happens and if you've had a knee replacement you don't have a whole lot of knee cap a whole lot right. of patella to work with in terms of repairing mm-hmm. so it can be it can be a devastating injury in that particular scenario it's a tough injury that has and we'll talk about outcomes in a little bit in, in the average individual and in, 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 in the athlete but if you've had your knee replaced and this happens it's a whole nother ball game yeah so so all right you, 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 you're on the field you examine his knee and you're like yeah looks like i, I think you yeah. tore your patella tendons and you get him off the field you know probably get him in a brace hold his leg out straight yep. what, what are your next steps treatment wise here what are you getting next
3: yeah, so um, x-ray is going to be right off the bat. Make sure you didn't have a patella fracture. Theoretically, you could, you know, and, and some, right. some types of patella tears, you can pull off a little piece of bone. Right. And that a little may, avulsion. Yeah, a little, yeah. Avulsion, we call those avulsion fractures. So x-ray right off the bat, that can usually happen at the field. And then the next test is MRI, no doubt. And MRI shows all the stuff the x-ray doesn't show. And that's really the diagnostic test other than your exam. Some people ultrasound. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. I, have want, seen, yeah. I have seen some Yeah. Of I, you know, I think protein. you're still going to want an MRI because it's yeah. more, it shows you the whole knee. It shows right. you everything. You want to make sure nothing else happened. Yeah. Um, you know, these guys are a lot of stress on their knee, mm-hmm. which, you know, we, didn't really, we generally like to talk about mechanism. We didn't really talk about mechanism. How does it happen? Yeah. yeah. How does it happen? Frank? <laughs> well... <laughs> Usually, when you stretch one of those ligaments, there you go. See, I'm paying attention. Make sure you're still with yeah, Absolutely. Um, you know, so generally, this is it. Usually happens in a like a deep, you know, beyond like 45 degree knee bend, mm-hmm. right. where the muscle is kind of lengthening and there's too much stress. So a lot of people have it when they're trying to initiate a jump, mm-hmm. and there's just too much force pushing them towards the ground, and their their tendon may have some. Inherent issues, degeneration. He could have right. patellar tendonitis. Oh. Yeah. he might have used steroids back in the day, which right. actually has a huge risk for patellar tendon and other tendon ruptures. Not we making s- any accusations. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he's on steroids at all, but it could, could be could a factor. Be, could you be, or could have been back in the day. So right. a lot of times we'll see it years after people have done it. Right. We'll see patellar tendon or biceps tendon ruptures, quad tendons, tendon. and you start talking to people, and they say, "Yeah, I, you know, I did a couple cycles yeah. back in college or back in high school, and." And, um, and there's still a long lasting effect on tendon metabolism. So for all you kids out there, yeah, don't do steroids. Right.
0: So just to kind of touch on that, like so you said it's kind of a long lasting effect with the steroid use. Yeah. Thankfully I've never used steroids, so I don't have to worry about That's it, but good. you know, I good didn't know. know the,
3: the longevity yeah. of like the... Yeah. It doesn't have to be with active steroid use. It could be a history hmm. of steroids.
2: Could he have had like a injury in the past that yeah, you know, potentially could have made this
3: sure. that much worse. Yeah. So okay. tendon health, you know, so if, if, if the tendon isn't, uh, kind of a healthy, um, from a metabolic standpoint there's, and there's maybe got old scar tissue from an old injury or he had a partial tear in the past right. and mm-hmm. you're, now you're asking 80% of the tendon and 20% scar tissue to do the work of a normal tendon. And then he just loaded it too much. And
1: that's insightful, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's 100% right. Yeah. It even
3: goes further than that, to be honest with you.
1: Um, and not, maybe not necessarily in the in the setting of a professional athlete, but someone who has rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. someone who has lupus, or yeah. someone has has uh, chronic kidney, kidney disease or something where, where sometimes your tissues just aren't quite the same uh, strength or mm-hmm. quality, yet, Yeah, you're, you're at a higher risk. Those, those are the people that tend to have bilateral tears, which shockingly yeah. we do. Yeah, see we see those. From time to time. Yeah. Yeah.
3: People are load their leg in a way, and they, mm-hmm. they tear one, and then they load the other one to help save to try to protect them from falling and then they tear oh. the other one the other one pops horrible nuts yeah you n- never want to no double. don't go tough situation yeah it's bad enough with one
2: yeah yeah. do you normally see this in one population versus the other age wise or is this just a great, great question mm-hmm. yeah so yeah no no um, I think I referred
1: to the uh, Mark Miller uh, board review course at one point or another uh, as we've gone through this podcast through the years one of the little tricks for us to remembering is if you think of the patella being 40 years old Typically, if you're under the age of 40, patella tendon tear. So, 20s and 30s is very common. And if you're over the age of 40, above the patella, um, quad tendon tear, more common. And it doesn't it doesn't hold true 100%, but is shocking, actually, how often that winds up holding true.
3: Yeah, more common in men than women. More common in okay. men than women, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one in a woman.
1: Uh, I don't think I have either,
3: actually. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So, all right. So, now you're in a scenario. You're in a situation. Someone <clears throat> tore their patella tendon. And you alluded to it, like... You said sort of urgent to, to try to fix this. How would you define urgent? Like it's not I, emergent. Two to right? three
3: weeks. Two to three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like two, and under. Frankly, hey, there you go. Oh. Right. And <laughs> drink. Um, just, just, <laughs> just just it you know it just creates it's just tissues more supple it's more yeah. flexible you know, everything's just kind of. Moving better. Right. Um, do you get it, more scar tissue after that three weeks? Yeah, for sure. And it and what yeah. happens is that patella starts to get pulled up, like we talked right. about, and it can actually start to tether up. So when you go to fix it, right. you literally can't pull the kneecap back down into its anatomic position.
1: Or if you do, it's under a little more tension. Yeah. and then so there's a higher high rate, rate of, of re mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: exactly. exactly. So
1: yeah. this is uh, this is probably getting into the weeds a little more, maybe, maybe helpful. Um, but let's say let's say you do the MRI, right? Like you're you're confident this is torn, but you want to know what's going on. You mm. want to know definitively. You want to know did the tear extend to the what's called the and kind yeah. of the sides of it, and, yeah. and you do the MRI and there's a torn meniscus mm. in addition to your to your tear. What icing that, on is the there cake, anything, huh? Is there anything you can do about it at that particular time? With the surgery?
3: Yeah, sure you could. Yeah, but you don't know if that's symptomatic. Right. Right. So uh, I generally encourage people to let's focus on the elephant in the room. Right. Let's get your tendon fixed. Right. Let's get you rehab. Let's get you functional again. And if you have meniscus symptoms, yeah, then we can fix it. So there's a, a you know, a thing that I say to the residents that we teach all the time is treat the patient, not the picture. Right. right. And you know, you have to focus. There's about, I don't know. I think in general, if you look at most studies, probably 30% of things that show up either in arthroscopy, things that we see with our eyes in our right. arthroscopy, or on an MRI probably don't correlate with why the patient's there to see you. Right. So if you just go around trying to fix everything that you see, you, you may be stirring the pot too much and, and, and You're creating you know, a problem. Yeah. If it's, you, you don't know if that was there and if it was symptomatic, I mean, they're theoretically, you know, 30, 40% of meniscus tears may not be a reason for people to come in our office. So, yeah. and, and, you know,
1: and that's why I have similar conversation. And one of the things I say is that that probably did not just happen with this particular injury. That was in all likelihood that was there. Yeah. That's number one. And then number two, typically we're going to fix that. We fix that orthoscopically, like we, we fill it up yeah. with fluid. You can't do that. And you can't do that because yeah. the whole capsule, the balloon that holds the fluid while you're mm. doing your orthoscopic surgery is torn. Yeah. The fluid's going everywhere. Yeah. And and so, yeah. so typically no, no, you, you go in with one goal and you go and you fix yeah, the, you patella, fix the patella, so patella So it's
0: like a big old wet sloppy mop like it's Yeah, just open it's, it right up. Yeah, you don't even put a scope in, Well,
2: how did they do that before a scope? How did they fix meniscus tears before scopes?
3: they opened it not well yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. so you know what they used to do they take the whole thing out they make Isn't a big incision yeah. and they would literally excise the whole thing and p- those people went on to develop arthritis really quickly yeah. we they used okay. to think that it was a vestigial vestigial like it, it was an old it was like a throwaway appendix. from you know evolution and it didn't really do anything for us and so you could cut that out it doesn't matter like your what? appendix just yeah yeah. Right. yeah the Run reality it. is nothing we have is is not you know, is, is just useless.
1: Right? Well, one of my former partners who's been around for quite a while, and uh, used to do a lot of these, so they, they would have competitions. Like, who can get it out all with, there was like a special night for this. Yes, like a that curved of, like night. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, they, and the competition was, who can get the whole meniscus out with one swipe?
3: That makes wow. me nauseous now. I know. Yeah. That's it's crazy. the opposite wow. of what yeah. we try to yeah, do. Yeah, we repair them now. I yeah. mean, we, we try as, as often as we can Stretch to the biology
1: them. as far as you yeah. can in and, that and
3: direction. Yeah.
2: Preserve yeah. it. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier about the, the, the PRP in, in stem cell. Mm-hmm. Like what, what does that do?
3: Uh, really, partial tear. Yeah, really good question. So, there's been some good science to show that, like, people with patell tendonitis, like advanced patell tendon, which is like this degeneration of part of the tendon, patell tendon, um, or people maybe with, um, you know, partial tears, that it, it helps to stimulate a, a more favorable biologic environment for healing. Mm-hmm. There's still. There's, there's pretty good science to say that it helps with patella tendonitis. I'm not sure there's great science, that at least that I'm aware of, that shows that it increases healing rate with partial tears. I think the reality is most healthy people yeah. probably have enough good biology, but they're looking at all this stuff now. Maybe Steve's looking at me like he might know something I don't. No,
1: but. I was just going to try to clarify that a little yeah. bit. Right? So, so I think there are different versions of this. right? So One version of it would be a partial tear. Let's say the tendon from the side is torn partially across in this acute traumatic scenario. Uh, not, not the appropriate time. Because of the structural gap. Right, right exactly. Right. Yeah, you
3: can't, an injection will bridge a gap.
1: Okay. But now in, in the scenario of patellar tendonitis, it's actually somewhat of a spectrum where it tends to wear down into this one particular spot and it goes from patella tendonitis to some of that then peeling off part of its attachment mm-hmm. right in the middle portion, right where it attaches to the bottom of the patella. And all of a sudden it goes from just tendonitis to a partial thickness tear, even to a small full thickness tear in that particular spot. And mm-hmm. It's really all a spectrum, almost like rotator cuff tears where where it, it, there's a little bit of a spectrum there where at one point you have some tendinitis, tendinosis, partial thickness tear, full thickness tear, kind of goes on down the line. Yeah. So in that particular scenario, that that, that is actually, a, um, and there's, there is data to support that, yeah. a, a, a time where you would use, biologics which you can potentially use some PRP there's also a procedure called uh, percutaneous tenotomy and there's a couple of different versions of this on the market where you use a special needle that actual needle that actually debrides that degenerated partially torn area and jump starts the healing process and sometimes you can supplement uh, some biologics into that area when you're doing that or a day or two after you do that yeah. to really jump start the healing process so it's not just a ball of scar tissue there yeah. but Hopefully, more tendon like yeah. uh, tissue.
3: And we're, we're still learning a lot about biologics yeah. and how reproducible the, the, the actual injection is. I mean, th- there's studies that show that there's pretty broad concentrations of different types of cells and factors and things. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we, we definitely, um, yeah, it's an area of ongoing. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I asked the question because when my oldest son, yeah. who's 18, When we first had him, they sold us into banking his stem cell. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. And my daughter, we banked hers. And then when it came for my third son, we were like, well, I guess if he needs it, he can use Matt's or Ella's. You don't love him enough.
3: You You know what? That's funny. I mean, because, you know, see, the thing is, there's a lot of... Uncertainty. That's a sure. that's a very aggressive area of research right now and right. we don't know what that's gonna where that's gonna lead. We'll see. Yeah. I we'll know see. it
2: cost me a hundred dollars every year.
3: Yeah, we did the same thing you know. with our kids. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So did I and um and you know, I was forewarned. Hey, that's probably not the best investment of your money. No. However, course. you're kind of feel like, well, if there's anything that I hey, listen, event, I'm never going to know, do right? it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, why
3: yeah. bye bye baby does so well. That's right. That's got, right. You can't yeah. sure. can't skimp on your kids. <laughs> yeah. You right, Brandon, that's new right. father. That's congratulations. Right. congratulations. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank that's
1: you. very good. So so getting back to the repairs and and you know, mm-hmm. Frank, you, you talked about how like we need to be pretty. Um, generic in the way we talk about this. We don't want to start losing people. And then you start asking these specific questions, and I feel like I get all technical, and I just lost everybody. But
2: Nonetheless. (laughs) I um, know. (laughs) I'm sorry. Mm -hmm.
1: But but in terms of the repairs, right, for uh, Brad, is there more than one version of this? Is there more than one way to uh, do the repair? Assuming it's the most common type of tear where it pulls off of the patella as opposed to mid-substance or off of the the other end of it, the distal end where it attaches to the top of the shin bone. Is there, is, is there more than one way to repair
3: it? Yeah, yeah, so the kind of the old method I think that, you, that we probably learned in our residency mm-hmm. was uh, we would uh, put this special type of stitch um, into the tendon. It's kind of a, a special stitch because of, again, this mop end effect. If you imagine if you try to stick a suture or a needle like with thread through a mop end, it would just kind of slide through those fibers. So this is like a locking stitch called a Krakow stitch. And University in, of Interestingly, Buffalo. Oh, is that where he came from? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's where he was. Uh, my, one yeah. of my attendings at UConn mm-hmm. was one of the article, like the publisher. Oh, is that right? Krakow. Really? Yeah. Courtland yeah, yeah. Kort, yeah. Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to. Yeah. I'm pretty Krakow Lewis. sure Krakow <laughs> did yeah.
1: teach or work at a University of Buffalo. And if I yeah. blew that, I apologize. Uh, I'm pretty yeah, sure he, he
3: did. did he, he was on the original paper. Anyway. So it's like this locking stitch and you know, our, our suture material has gotten super strong right. uh, now. So, I mean, it's, that's not the weak link. So if you put a good locking stitch in this and these tendon edges, you'll have these little tendon edges that are um, basically able to be controlled by these sutures. Right. And so what we used to do is drill holes across the patella mm-hmm. and then you thread these sutures up, um, that are already attached to the tendon through the patella mm-hmm. and you'll tie them knots on the other side when it's tensioned in full extension. Yeah, and and that's worked well. I mean, yeah. we did that for years. There's some newer studies showing that um, if you use a anchor, so these these little these little almost like screw-like devices that have threads attached to them, if you put that in the footprint instead of drilling holes across, that the the success rate's higher. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less likely to have a little gap formation at the mm-hmm. repair site, which is good because gap formation would fill in with scar, and we want that tendon to heal right to the bone. Right. So that's- We don't want that rope to be too yeah, long. Yeah. Right. I, I'll tell you, there's still times where I'll use the um, the tunnels and yeah. people have really like thin um, patella. I worry about fracture when you use For sure. You know, right. A, um, an, a, but the reality is the science suggests that you should try to use an anchor if you can.
1: Yeah. 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 And another advantage to doing the doing the anchors, not that it's a big advantage, but it's a big perceived advantage is smaller incisions.
3: Actually. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to get to the other right. side. Right. You don't have, have to get to the other side of the patella. and right. You don't have to compromise the other side of the tendon. Right. Um, there's some newer, like with the mid-substance tears, which are really complex. There's uh, this bridge kind of uh, suture device that we use where you're putting anchors on both sides right. of the repair. And it's got this really strong, like, uh, um, like it's almost like a tape that can help kind of support those repairs and let the tissue heal without having stress on it. So those are all, I think, the, the repair techniques. It's a fairly sh- straightforward procedure. It's right. Technically, it's not that difficult. No. So, so
2: the original one that you were talking about, you are talking about almost like a... S- Incision, like a total knee incision? Almost. Almost, not quite as big, but yeah. Okay. And
3: you know, Frank, maybe you can speak to like your side of it. Like what do you, when you see somebody coming in that we're going to do cell tendon, you know, like there's different options, right? You can do nerve blocks. Yeah. You can do general anesthesia. We've done,
2: you know, a, a ton of general anesthesia with those patients and like almost immediately the pain response sets in. Yeah, like a, no matter a, what narcotics we give, I mean, yeah. that is a very sensitive area. Yeah. Right. So we transition from, from general anesthesia to doing a femoral nerve block where we're actually blocking like the entire nerve supply down to right. that knee. Now, that's gonna knock out your motor, your ability to be able that's to move yeah, right. that's a, your, yeah. you're, you're, that's your leg. Important but point. I, I would think in, in this type of surgery, you're, do you want them moving their leg right
3: away? Uh, so that's actually a really interesting point. So right. I'm a little bit more conservative than I think some people. This, the literature suggests that if you do a good repair and you're in the operating room, you should flex them up, make yeah. sure there's no gap, and theoretically at the end, at the end of the surgery, yeah, yeah check it. after your repair, if if they don't show any gap and you have and you feel good about your repair, that you should be able to start kind of doing some PT motion with them early on. I'm pretty conservative. I try to keep people extended. They can walk. i like them straight initially. Yeah, too. I keep them straight. They mm-hmm. can walk um, with a fully straight limb. But typically, they're going to have a brace brace. or a cast. Uh, The old cylinder casts are tried and true. They don't allow any gapping. Braces sometimes allow little motion. true. Um, And and so a femoral nerve block that knocks out your quad muscle is probably okay. But there's adductor blocks. I don't know if you want to talk about if you're doing any adductor blocks. Yeah, I mean, the
2: adductor block is the saphenous nerve. And the saphenous nerve is going to...
3: Now, see, this is where it gets a little tricky because,
2: Yeah. yeah, the saphenous nerve will supply... The majority of the knee but it's going to be more it's not as complete. superficial yeah right you know so it's not going to be as complete yeah. so uh you know sometimes you do have to supplement that with with another type of uh genicula uh, yep so all, all these tiny little nerves that supply you know the front side of the, uh, the yeah. knee the, the back side mm-hmm. all those nerves they, you they can, can you certainly can be local. blocked you can you can put yeah.
3: you know uh, there's been cases where i've i've just literally dumped local into the incision site 100% while Mm you're doing the procedure and that can help too
1: yeah you know the idea of the femoral block in that particular scenario worries me a little bit because you are temporarily picking off the nerve that goes does the motor function the the movement Mm -hmm. of of the thigh and and you know almost every time it wakes up, but you just worry. Like, yeah, if, anytime you know, you're doing something around something, yeah, something back, you don't, something, yeah. something you back don't, can you don't want them to have a little bit of weakness right. of that of that That's quad pretty scientific So like from a from my my standpoint, my my. My request is usually more adductor block, genicular block. Yeah. Control most of the pain. Maybe not perfect, but, but don't put the quad at risk kind of a thing. That, that, that's where I tend to fall. No, I would mind. agree.
2: And most old school anesthetics were, were driven towards that femoral nerve because mm-hmm. yeah. it was the easiest one to do. For, right. that, for right. that procedure. And now there's ultrasound. Oh, yeah. we have yeah. dove deep yeah. <laughs> with that ultrasound. We love that.
3: It is pretty cool. Yeah. It really gets
2: down to the anatomy and you can see the specific areas where, where you know that the pain is going to come from. So yeah. you can deposit that local anesthetic almost down to like the square millimeter right on Are it. Are you, it,
3: it's amazing. I question for you. And I honestly don't know the answer. Sure. To this. Are you aware? Is there a lower risk of complications with ultrasound guided blocks? Oh, hundred percent because blind blocks.
2: Listen, a, a lot of times when we're sticking needles in. Yeah. Blindly, we don't know where that needle's traversing.
3: Yeah, you know where the nav right. should be, but you really don't. You know, really generally it. where it is. Yeah, so yeah. we can
2: actually use these the, these needles that have mm-hmm. uh, a coating on them that we can hook up to a little nerve stimulator, right? Yeah. So as we are traversing the needle, you can actually, if if you come upon a nerve, you're going to see, It'll you know, the, the leg you know. jump. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, so you're going to know that you're near that area, mm-hmm. and maybe I shouldn't go any further. Yeah. Right. So it anesthesia for for these types of injuries and repairs has become so much safer and so much more you know patient guided as yeah. far as let's 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 figure out what's
3: best and safest for the patient yeah and you I know? think it's reasonable to have that conversation with the patient and let them have a you know, part in that conversation say, here's the risks of this one. Here's the risks of that one. Which one do we think we want to, you know, go with? Obviously, we have a little bit of a say, but honestly, I kind of leave that discussion to you guys. I always say, uh, you know, I let, you know, I don't tell them how to do their job and they don't tell me how to do my job. Sometimes they do. Well,
2: well, that's good because, you know, most orthopedic surgeons, you know, have a schedule (laughs) and, you know, (laughs) hey, I won't go there. I'll stay in the car. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Nice. Well done.
1: All right. So now you do the repair. They're in their brace, right? They're mm-hmm. getting better. Mm-hmm. Presumably, start physical therapy, you know, I don't yeah. know, seven days, yeah, two, maybe pretty two soon weeks after. in. Yeah. <laughs> Working on some range of motion stuff. Like you said, you can let them weight bear with the brace locking extension. Mm-hmm. What point are they getting better? Like, 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 how, how does this play out time wise?
3: I mean, my experience is about three months before they start to feel like they're, I don't want to say happy.
0: Yeah. But, over the hump a little uh, bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: you know, because really those first six weeks are tenuous. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most soft tissue repairs take three months to heal. And um, it takes a while to get their motion back. You know, you're, everybody's a little nervous about over kind of tensioning the repair and yeah, creating we're all gap. Scared. And yeah, So, you know. I'd rather the, deal with the stiffness yeah, a little later yeah, than Yeah, you uh, can kind of work through stiffness right. later. So, right. I, I generally tell people, expect it's going to be about three months until you're kind of, you know, walking around relatively comfortably until you have a fairly reasonable range mm-hmm. of motion. Other people push harder. I've seen articles that suggest you should have 120 degrees of flexion by six weeks. I can tell you, I don't. Push pretty them aggressive, fa- man. It's pretty aggressive. I don't push that fast.
1: I, I do hope for 90.
3: Yeah, uh, slowly, surely, yeah. 90 yeah. at six weeks. I, you know, NFL football player, is different. Different, right? Yeah. He's gonna, he's probably gonna get all the bells and whistles. He's right. gonna have those, um, those, um, s- those tapes, those uh, backup kind of suture devices. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, yeah. regardless of what kind of tear he has, he's gonna have those in there because that allows some protection of the repair and mm-hmm. uh, early range of motion. I'm sure he's going to get that. And, um, you know, but the big part with him is I think going to be the mental component. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. So he's with, not easy to come back from psychologically.
2: So
0: roughly it's about three months to kind of they're getting back to feeling normal. When is he back on the field? Right. Being an NFL caliber athlete.
2: Yeah. How, how does this affect his career moving right. forward I mean, he's significantly?
0: Got, <laughs> he's got five years, $83 million
3: yeah. on the table. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a lot. Six to nine months.
1: Non-guaranteed yeah. contracts in the NFL. Right. Right? Yeah. Who How knows what that go? number is guaranteed. Yeah. You
3: know what I mean? Like that's, yeah.
0: It's completely above what we're looking into here. But yeah. You is he getting know. all of that?
3: I, look, the reality is you're never going to be the same player. Right. I mean, I, I hate to say never, but, you know, I always say never say never. But sure. But I, I do. I just said it. So I mean, <laughs> Your anatomy's compromised. Yeah, right? Your like, anatomy's am- compromised. His head's compromised. Mm-hmm. He's got 10 guys behind him, mm-hmm. hungry, with yeah. no Patel tendon repair. Right. right. And, you know. I, it's unfortunate, but that's it's dog dog world, to and that's, that's, the beast what, yeah, in the NFL, that's what right? pro sports are.
1: Yeah. The margin of error
3: for, for a professional athlete, you know, is, is and the window of time nothing. they have to perform, right? right? you know, exactly. So they you have already this, got benched, yeah, once this you right. know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. they, got so benched they, already. they have this window where they can perform at that level and be healthy doing it. And if something knocks them off course,
1: what, what if you're kind of a more this average guy, weekend warrior, and you have this injury? Um, do you think the chances of getting back to essentially normal, uh, are, are pretty good if assuming it's picked up early, you get the surgery early, there's not, no other complicating or mitigating. Yeah, factors? So,
3: you know, uh, recurrence rates are like two to 3% if you use anchors. I think they're like 8% if you use, um, the transosseous the tunnels, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, two to 3%, you know, re-rupture rate is, is not great, but it's, yeah. it's pretty reasonable. Pretty and then, good. and yeah. then again, the hardest part to predict is the <laughs> mental part, you know, we all the patients want to know, am I going to be, and the reality is, you know, I want to just look back to them and say, I don't, sure. I can tell you physically what, what to expect, but, but that's only a component of getting better. Um, so, but yeah, I think the outcome for a weekend warrior re- reasonable person who's not playing pickup hoops at the age of 50 is probably pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, and I think, you know, the psych, psychological part of it is like, you know, you and I spoke a little bit of like, yeah. um, you know, just past medical experience. Like, I've torn my ACL what was it, 13 years ago, and yeah. I still wear a knee brace yeah. to like play lacrosse, like recreationally. And it's just like, I think you and I talked about it yeah. one day, and I was just like, right. I can't break the hump. Like, yeah. I, I feel naked without <laughs> yeah, it. Right. And I mean, I made some steps. Like, get me wrong, I went down from the DonJoy playmate, like the, yeah, the big one, just sure. to a <laughs> uh, pull up hinge knee sleeve. So just something, just a little hug so, on my yeah. knee, just yeah. to yeah. make, because I tore, like, backstory, I tore my ACL playing lacrosse. So, that, to me, that's like, that's the, the thing, you know, yeah. like, why risk it, especially now, like, I do it for fun, like I don't want to risk sure. my job and everything. <laughs> you yeah. know, I got things I got to do. For so. Sure, yeah, of course. But so it was just like, now it's like a little knee sleeve, so it's still
3: something. Yeah, it's something, and you know, you know, very often that'll be just enough to remind you and and kind of to fire muscles a little bit more effectively, yeah. and yeah. you know, it just kind of gives you a little biofeedback. Yeah. You know. I think
1: that's a big part of it. Biofeedback, right? like f- yeah. You can feel it on there, and it's the reminder, yeah. and yeah, just like you yeah. It's so
3: um, you know, for. For people who see athletes taped up. Mm-hmm. Very often, uh, you know, there's stuff called uh, rock tape or K tape mm-hmm. that athletes use now. And I think uh probably people that don't know look at it and say, mm-hmm. Oh, that must be holding things together. Mm-hmm. And the reality is it's it's actually meant to give just stimulate the athlete skin a, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Stimulate the skin, stimulate certain body positions that are mm-hmm. more favorable. And if the athlete starts to get into a bad position, it gives them the, this feedback. Right. That the, the skin will tension, the tape will tension, it'll say, Hey. Get get back in yeah. in line, yeah, and if you don't have a trainer next to you or an athletic right. you know trainer, if you don't have a, a physical therapist to say, hey, you're falling out of form, right. you've got tape, right but it doesn't hold stuff together. Tape cannot hold stuff together.
0: I think it's funny because I don't know what year it was, but I think it was like the Summer Olympics and I think beach volleyball was real big. That's exactly where it started. Women's beach volleyball. volleyball. everybody watches that. Everybody watches it. It's one of the best sports to watch. And then next thing you know, that next year as like sports, the world of sports medicine was taken over. Totally changed. You got got the kinesio tape? Can I get the K-tape? Yeah, Yeah. K-tape. It blew up. And
1: then the following Olympics, swimming, cupping. Yeah, yeah, cupping. Yeah, cupping. Yeah.
0: And, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, as an athletic trainer, everyone, you know, they, they think you can tape everything, right? And it's yeah. like, oh, you can't sure. tape this together. And so my first experience, I was very kind of standoffish with the K-tape. And I was like, I don't know. And then I started using it just, just trying to understand just yeah. do it. I had a few linemen, like complete... Tears of their shoulder labrum. Yeah. If I didn't tape their shoulder, they couldn't. Yeah, perform. Well, it helps them just to like,
3: maintain like what the centering of like, the of the shoulder? <laughs> you, you know, yeah. right. this is not supposed to do this. How right, is this yeah. happening? and oh. it's like I think that's more effective than actual taping, where they ch- you try to crank something, right. Like you're trying to over tape something. Yeah, and so just because we we dispel myths here every now and then, um, you know, tape uh, has been shown to work for about ten minutes. Ten, right. minutes. Just about yeah. 10 um, yep. And then if you don't retape, you've effectively lost a lot of the control of tape. So. You know, if you had to go head-to-head tape versus slides. brace, mm-hmm. brace is better. But, you know, there's still this old tried-and-true athlete. So I played football in college, and I taped ankles. You know, I had some right. ankles. And, you know, nobody told me that it only lasted for 10 minutes. And, yeah. you know, and it looked cool. And it looked cool. Right. It looked cool. <laughs> so
0: it's funny Which how, Which is like, probably the most important thing. Well, yeah. You yeah. look good, feel good, that's, play good, that's, right? That's it's right. like It's <laughs> like a mantra that goes across <laughs> all athletics. You, you kind of have to do it. Spat oh. taping. Oh, that's another one that's, yeah. oh, the, that's... That's what I used to do. Spat yeah. tape. That's what Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I I'm off the spat train of like. Well, I wouldn't be now. Oh yeah. Yeah. No no no. But it's just like, well, listen, man. If you somehow have your ankle, I'm cutting your whole shoe you off. The it. whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing's coming off, and usually that scums your way. Yeah. Cause you want nice through whatever, you know? Yeah. You don't want to do that. No, not at all. That's fun. Um, so I think we kind of touched on a little bit of everything. We went. Well, is there
2: any way to prevent this type of injury?
3: Like, that's don't do steroids. Don't do. Steroids. Definitely don't do steroids. Man, yeah. came
0: in
1: strong like that. I don't know that there's
3: another way to prevent it because the rest of it's just you. I mean, sure, you know, there's eccentric strength training programs. Mm-hmm. There's certain, like, just maintenance programs. But these guys in the NFL are doing that stuff, or at least they should be doing that. But For sure. Um, so the reality yeah. is a lot of this is inherent to the athlete. Mm-hmm. And then some of it's just bad position, yeah, wrong muscle contraction. It's gonna,
1: sometimes it's going to happen, right? Yeah.
3: Like, like, these guys have strong...
1: Muscles stronger than the average individual, right? right? So let's say they're landing from you know a height, like they jumped, and you know they're three feet off the ground. And as they're coming down, if their knee is bent, you know they're sixty degrees bent, and their quad contracts really hard as their foot is hitting the ground. Yeah. So so their their knees starting to flex, but their big strong quad is beginning to contract. It's gonna happen. Sometimes. Yeah, they blow like, out There's their... nothing you could do about yeah. it. But there are a few mitigating factors. You know, don't do steroids. A cortisone shot around the yeah, tendon that's, may pre Not, right. not necessarily anything, but around the tendon may that's predispose. A, that's
3: a
2: no-no. Yeah. 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 So is is there anything, like, now that I have children that are high school, college age, mm-hmm. and, and I, I know myself when I was working out back in the day, taking creatine, taking protein, any mm-hmm. of this stuff affect you know, your, your, your muscle groups in a, in a negative way. I mean,
3: that stuff doesn't. Right. Okay. But steroids is really the hardest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. And your kids aren't doing it. No. I mean,
2: I always get that question. Dad, is it safe? Is it safe? You know, creatine a, has,
3: yeah. there's other risks with creatine and right. you know, and I have we done that might be a good Just thing. Supplements. It yeah, supplements supplements. actually yeah. could
2: be a very good on yeah. down that road. Yeah. Yet.
3: That's a whole, I mean, you could probably, do a whole show on creatine. Well, no,
2: honestly, like kids nowadays are going to the corner GNC yeah. and they're being sold things sure. that they have no idea what they're putting in their lives. They're no. steroids, but they don't, they're not called steroids. Right. <laughs> I mean
1: that
0: yeah. and but like all those supplements aren't regulated. You right. don't know. No. I mean, they're yeah, getting they're like 450 milligrams
2: of caffeine, you know, and like caffeine is actually good for athletic performance. Isn't that okay. amazing? Yeah. yeah. To an extent, right? Uh, no, maybe to not. To an
3: extent, yeah. So effectively like WADA limits the equivalent of eight, or greater cups of coffee, sure. average right. coffee, but you know n- you don't need that. But like low doses of, and I, it, I'm not gonna be able to quote you the actual milligram or like right. eighty or milligrams. Per but yeah, I, but but low dose caffeine as is, is it actually a good thing in sports for a lot of reasons. But but on the flip side of off that, the subject,
1: like right? yeah, we're really getting off subject. But if, you're, if you take a few NSAIDs, right, and then you take some caffeine on top of that, and then you're a little more dehydrated. Yeah, and bad, and NSAIDs your are bad. Man, for, and yeah, next right, thing yeah. you know, you're in kidney in Kidney failure, kidney failure you know, right. right yeah. like, like, there are some things you got to be very careful
0: about. Yeah. To, to kind of close out the supplements, quick story of, like, you know, like kind of like Frank said, like, kids are just going to take stuff. And I, yeah. I've been in this situation where I, when I was in grad school, I was covering hockey, and one of the kids came off to the bench and goes, Brandon, I can't see. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't all know, right. everything's spinning and I'm going out. I'm like, all right man, we try to go through it. Yeah, right. Here he took C four, which is a pretty common pre-workout, and I think that was pre they took some stuff out recently and they kind of made it more healthier. But back oh, then geez. when it was like the raw formula, yeah, he took like two scoops off the off the jump for the first time ever. Oh. And he was like overstimulated and oh, he's like his, his he was all yeah. dilated and like freaking out. I'm like, dude, what what'd you do? Yeah. He goes, I don't know, I didn't do anything different. I was like, Oh wait, I did try this C four stuff yeah. and I was like, Okay, how much you take? He goes, uh, I think I took two scoops. And I was like, yeah. how much do you usually take? I was like, I don't know. I've never taken it. Exactly. Before. Good rule of thumb. Like, oh, never man.
3: do something in competition for the no, first time. No, never. Yeah. Not on game. Like,
0: nah, man, bad,
3: bad, bad idea.
0: So he was like a step away from going to the hospital. That was a whole, whole ordeal that night. But you know, just kind of like, like did Frank was saying, it's like, did it get like, even, even did. you know, kind of go back to, you know, younger years of being a high school athlete, college. He's at like, you don't know. You no, don't you really don't know. know. You just no. you see someone on
3: TV support
0: yeah. a supplement or say something's good or yeah, it's a whatever. dangerous. It's dangerous.
3: It's a dangerous industry. That doesn't mean there's not good things out there. Right. But it takes a heck of a lot of research and knowledge to understand yeah. it. And it's tough, and you know what? The unfortunate thing is, it's an industry based to make money, mm-hmm. so you know. And then and the they're going to do today, what they need to do. There's a lot of snake oil oil there. Social yeah. media, uh, you yeah. just you get. Where bad. did you hear that from? TikTok. Yeah, well, it's yeah. got to be
2: true. Yeah. Exactly, it's real.
0: You know, and I'm, you know, just. Who knows yeah. how many people, especially nowadays, oh, I saw it on TikTok. I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on Facebook. I want to try the supplement. So and so. This this yeah. person's endorsing it. It's just like, man, you go down a slippery slope where it's Easily eat some whole foods and like have a good yeah. diet. and You probably should be
3: okay. Um, I totally advocate that. Thank uh, thank you. you know, um, again, again I, I think we, yeah. I think we dedicate You're a of topic. Yeah, topic. Yeah. yeah. We're all, we're all in the weeds. It's a whole show. We're somewhere yeah, deep in the weeds sure. now. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. So to kind of tail back to. Uh, Let's go
3: do a milk shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will go prepare that point. Yeah. you go the, the,
0: the jc jackson thing uh, we we're talking about him so just again speculation right like he, he tore his patellar tendon we kind of talked about some predisposing things that he's had and i mean he had ankle surgery three months ago mm-hmm. so who knows if that could be yeah a he could have factor, relative weaknesses you know some like, kind of biomechanics really off, you know like really good I, point i, I right? tried to look it up briefly because i didn't do a pre-show of like which side it was like if it was the same side opposite side even still yeah i think it's fair to argue that it could could alter the way he's running. Yeah, do we don't know what meds sure, he was on. Right. right, right, and you know, again, he—who knows why? If he really just got benched from the article, or if he was having a setback and he went backwards,
3: or you know, there's a uh, category of, of antibiotics that's mm-hmm. been actually shown increase uh, risk of tendon rupture. Right, fluoroquinolones. Fluoroquinolones. So right. you know, th- this is, uh, and there's some very well-meaning doctors out there that like we'll give stuff for relatively benign things. And then all of a sudden your athlete comes in with a rupture Mm -hmm. and has no idea why. So, you know, these are some factors that, you know, need to be considered, you know, who knows? Yeah. And I think it's
0: fair to say, like we say every, almost every show we don't have the access to all his medical documents. We're just,
3: I would sure hope that an athlete at that level isn't getting, you know, fluoroquinolones from from a well-meaning doctor, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. So things things like that, you know, but, I think that's I think that's important um stuff to consider but all the stuff that you mentioned about you know does he have some kind of deficiency from his uh, yeah. surgery is he asymmetric is he is he not yet fully right yeah and that's hard and that's part of the difficult thing from like our perspective is when do you let an athlete get back right after after they've done mm-hmm. um you know uh surgery or after they've had an injury or after they've recovered and you know, I, I, we speak to ACL recovery all mm-hmm. the time and that's actually one of the things, uh, where there is a little bit of science with like right. return to play testing mm-hmm. and you guys have done some of that yeah. stuff and there's a scoring system and, mm-hmm. you know, at least it gives us some guidance because, you know, historically we'd say, Hey, yeah, you look good. Right. But you know, the reality is you're not loading them the way they're going to get loaded on the field right. and you're not putting them through the same paces in your office. Yep. And now at least we have the opportunity to do that. And, um, and, and then I you know, think,
0: you know, even with that too, it's like you see them in the office for a little bit of time and it's a short period of time where it, that's not, that's not the third, fourth quarter of a game where right. they're playing 30 minutes, you know what yeah. I mean? Like the fatigue factor. Yeah, that could fatigue factor.
3: In. And there's been some studies that have looked at that. Like how do, how do body movement patterns change with fatigue? Right. And at what point you become a risk? And like a lot of those studies were done in throwing athletes. That's where pitch counts right. came from for like right. little League and whatnot. But. Yeah, so, but same thing happens in the lower extremities, too. So, yeah, all good stuff. Yeah,
0: I think, I think it's just interesting, you know, I mean, you can go through almost anybody. Yeah. You could kind of go down their medical and say, oh, I wonder if that was, you know, the yeah. cause of that or whatever the case is, or, and, you know, it's just a misstep. Yeah. Sometimes and then, it's a misstep. Right? And then
3: there's stuff we haven't learned yet. Right. You know, we may know five years from now, oh, yeah, that, you know, that drink that he had that, mm-hmm. you know, the day before the game has now been linked with, you know, patellar and ruptures. Yeah. Who knows. We can just say, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that, that Gatorade Speculate. you had wasn't too good. Oh, now you did yeah. it. Yeah, Gatorade's yeah, coming yeah. for us. Oh, yeah, They're going to shut us down. <laughs> no, we won't go <laughs> no, down that route. Let's get out of here. Thank um, you, yeah,
0: yeah. Me. before we go ahead and close out our tab here, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors. Um, Reconstructive Orthopedics, what our eight locations and Focus on You approach for any and all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance center located here at Total Turf Experience in Pittman, New Jersey. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company serving us up the coldest beers all night while we do our podcast every week. And lastly, Timberwear Productions that help us put the show together to give it all to you. Everyone have a great night and we will talk to you shortly.